Maybe then you can see me and I can see you Maybe then we'll come together as a people Tired of the pain cause it ain't new Let's come together as a people Even if we don't share the same view Welcome to the Jesus and Everything Foundation podcast. On this show, we look at all problems affecting the world and we discuss how we can solve them using the character of Jesus, unity, and decentralization of resources available to us. The character of Jesus, or as I like to call them, the Jesus character principles, are principles that whether you are a Christian or not, we can all agree on these principles. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. For every episode, we discuss a problem topic from our category list. You can find this list on the Foundation's website, jaef.foundation. We ask ourselves and listeners, what is the goal? What is the vision for this problem category? What are the potential solutions? What are the obstacles? What resources do we need? And what resources do we have? But most importantly, do these solutions and resources pass the character test? The nine Jesus character principles? If yes, then we move on to collaboration. What does this look like? This show is a platform to get the ball rolling on as many problems affecting the world as we can. We want to go beyond just talking about problems. So after the show, we collaborate by acting. First, we open the discussion floor to our listeners. Then we decentralize and open source all of our resources from brain power, manpower, utilities to capital. Before every episode, I like to ask our viewers and listeners, do you ever ask yourself, where are we going? Where is this world going? Time keeps on ticking, the day ends, a new dawn arises, and life goes on. But what is our destination? Do we have any global objectives that unite us when it comes to things like food, security, healthcare, education, or standard of living? It's a fair question to ask. If you work for a company or work for yourself, you have a general idea about your company's vision. Goal. So what is our goal, our overarching vision as the current residents of this planet? What role is your company, your city, your country playing in the big picture? And what role are you who's listening to this playing in this big picture? series called The Christian Checklist. It's under our Spiritual Corner category. You can find the full list of topics we shall cover under this category on our website, jf.foundation.com.
the foundation. That is J-A-E-F dot foundation. God told Joshua something in Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 that I believe most Christians overlook. You see, Joshua had been given the responsibility to lead the children of Israel into the promised land to possess it. And God was giving him some last minute instructions before they set off. So picture yourself as the commander in chief. How would you as the commander in chief instruct your army general who is heading out to the battlefield? I'm sure most of us would be looking over battle strategy, tactics, and so forth. However, God's last departure instructions to Joshua seem to be both ironic and iconic. God told Joshua in Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 that this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in this book day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in this book, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. The book of the law that God was referring to wasn't a book containing fighting instructions and battle tactics. No. The book of the law was a combination of God's moral laws, civil laws, and sanitary laws. Interesting right? I think so. However, I want to draw our attention to these specific phrases used by God in verse 8. He said, the law. Now today, to ask Christians, this means God's instructions. Then he also said, meditate day and night. This is a suggestion of a daily routine. Practice remembering these laws, meditate them, ponder them. He also said, observe to do all of it. Put, it in, put them into action. Put God's statutes into action daily. Then by, do, by doing all the above, it's inevitable that whatever you do, you will prosper and have good success. Whether it's a business relationship, romantic relationship, mental health, finances, leadership, physical health, you name it. Just like Joshua was guaranteed good success in possessing a foreign land, likewise God guarantees us good success if we meditate and do all of his statutes. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that, but understand this, that in the last days will come set in perilous times of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with and hard to bear. And Peter also told the scattered believers around the world to be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. With this in mind, and the awareness of the times, that we currently live in today. As a Christian, you can no longer afford to just wake up and dash out of the door. You need to remind yourself daily that you are like a soldier going out to the battlefield and whether or not you get back home to your family depends on the kind of armory that you go out with 
on the battlefield. Whether you like it or not, accept it or not, as a Christian out in the world today, you need to be thoroughly equipped before you encounter the day. In fact, I like to think of it as it's kill or be killed. So the Christian checklist is just a guide that you can use to stay sharpened and well-rounded in the different areas of your Christian walk. The Christian checklist will help you cover your spiritual blind spots. We hope this series blesses your heart. So open up your heart and mind and let's dive in. Cause the light has shown us No fear's big enough to own us We were never meant to fit in these folders Know this, I ain't scared of these poses Over time we all face opponents They thought they could mess with this focus They forgot the end of the climb's the coldest Know this, life's a battlefield of moments Hold this We are and no one hears We persevere As we approach the line We march through all those fears That kept us here Walls, you can't hold us. If we just keep running away, we'll never make it alive. Till we stand and we fight, aim fire and blow it away. We're storming enemy lines, leaving no one behind. to episode two of the Christian checklist. In the last episode, in the previous episode, episode one, we were talking about that we are living in the end times. And Paul told Timothy that, understand this, that in the last days will come, set in, perilous times of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with and hard to bear. And Paul talked about all of these things. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, bosters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And all of this is happening. So, but we say, as Christians, it's not a time to cower off as the rest of the world and think that this, that we, we don't have hope. No, we have a lot of hope. 
because Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world you will have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration, but be of good cheer, take courage, be confident, certain, undaunted. For I have overcome the world, I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. So with that in mind, what Peter talks about as well, that be vigilant, be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walks around seeking whom he may devour. With all of this in mind, it would be ignorant for us as believers not to stay armored up with some of the tools that Jesus gave us to take us through these perilous times of great stress, hard, uh, hard to deal with, hard to bear, that Paul talks about. Everyone, you, you can see the social climate around us. And I made a statement that uh, according to scientific laws, there's this law called entropy. It's, uh, it's one of the laws of science. It's, entropy talks about the state of disorder. By default, things are always in a state of disorder. And projections by scientists show that the, the state of disorder for the physical world will only get worse and worse until everything just busts up in flames. But I say that God is very wise. Just like the Old Testament was given to us as a shadow of things to come in the New Testament, um, people don't realize that science is a shadow of things to come. God has embedded laws in there such that these people who only believe in science will be like, okay, wait a minute. What I read about in science seems to be apparently what these ridiculous people who believe in God or this person called Jesus Christ keep talking about. So maybe I should pump the brakes and really compare notes. But it says that uh, Satan, the God of this world, blinds those who believe not. So, you know, the scripture also talks about in Romans, this is very beautiful, in in Romans chapter 1, it talks about how the evidence, um, yes, it, it, it talks about how the evidence of the universe i mean uh, the evidence of creation and the existence of god not just god the father but the trinity of god god the father son and the holy ghost is revealed to every man so even if you, on the day of judgment you can't go in and say oh lord you know what i was busy in the scientific lab and i never had chance to deal with spiritual things no in romans chapter 1 verse 18 it goes to say, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So in acts of unrighteousness, there is a suppressing of the truth. Then it goes on to say, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. God has revealed himself to every single person on this universe. Don't ever be deceived. The scripture says that. 
And then it goes and say, this is Romans chapter one, verse 20. It goes on to say, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Then it goes on to say, Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanliness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Wow. So every person on this planet knows about the eternal power of God and the Godhead. There is no person on judgment day who will stand before Jesus Christ and say they didn't have a revelation of who he was. No, they suppressed the truth with acts of unrighteousness because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts. This is intentionally. And their foolish hearts were darkened. It says, professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. So it says in verse 20, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Now, so the point of all this is to say that I believe, as believers, you can no longer afford to just walk around and dash out the door because we are clearly living in the end times. Laws of science, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. The news media that you might be following every day shows bad things that are happening. The Bible talks about that. But how do we as Christians prepare to go through these perilous times? I believe you need a checklist. You need to do a routine checkup on different areas in your Christian walk so that you are not left with a weak link somewhere. You know, uh, there's, there's a saying that, that, that always goes, the strength of a chain is in its weak link. So most times your weak link is where your strength is. The strength of a password is in its, the weakness of a password is in its strength and the strength of a password is in its weakness. So the battle for souls is going to only get more heated. Jesus wants to redeem as many souls as possible before he's returned. But also the devil wants to take down as many people with him before his time is up. And he knows it. So as Christians, we should not believe that the storms we're seeing are only going to calm down. That's being ignorant and naive. But we need to develop, 
We need to develop a tougher skin. We need to get tough. It's one of the things that God has also been dealing with me and said, son, you need to be tough. You need to develop a tough skin. Read about my sufferings. You know, when I talk about glorying in tribulation, I mean it. You know, don't just hang out on the passages of scripture where it talks about the good things, the lovey-dovey, warm company things, the rainbows, the butter, the, the, the honey, you know, the sunshine and rain, rainbow scriptures. No. Scripture talks about we die daily, we're crucified daily, we die with Christ, we suffer with him. But we shall be glorified with him. So I, because I was also noticing that in my own personal life, I sometimes get really strong in one area and become weak in another area. And that's because I end up ignoring the area that I don't spend time in and Everyone has their favorite part of the Bible. They like to hang out. I call these the scripture comfort zones. So the Christian checklist is kind of to give you like a, a service, like a tune-up. You know, like you take your car for servicing and, and the mechanic has a checklist, goes through everything. That's what this is about. So as an example, a lot of Christians wake up and pray. But what do they pray about? It's not just about praying. There's some specific things you should be praying about. Your morning prayers can't be the same as your nighttime prayers. I mean, they can be similar. They can be some things that you carry over. But the things you pray about in the morning when you're going out to battle on the battlefield are different from the things you pray when you're putting down your head to sleep. And see? So... In the morning, you will probably be heading to work and dealing with non-believers all day. How do you equip yourself to deal with non-believers all day? You need a checklist. Your things you need to put on your armor based on the people that you're going to deal with during the day. Your things you need to pray about before you leave the house. These are different from the things you pray about when you're leaving work and coming back home. You know? So, take pilots as an example. I'm sure there's a lot of pilots who pray in the morning as well, but they still have a checklist that they go through before they fly. Likewise, in our spiritual walk, we should pray in general, but we should once in a while do a tune-up in other areas just so we just so that we stay well-rounded and equipped for battle i was i was talking to god and and i was telling him that lord there seem to be so many things that i really need to be aware of that i must keep track of And that's where this whole idea of a Christian checklist came, came from. I said, oh, maybe it would help if I had a checklist that once in a while, maybe weekly or bi-weekly or monthly for some things, some things I need to do daily, some things I can afford to do them weekly, some other things bi-weekly, but I need a checklist of things that I need to, you know, do a tune-up in my spiritual walk. Otherwise, I start to develop weak links in my chain and the enemy can attack me there 
it can be through my love walk or it can be through my thought life or it can be through holding on to envy and unforgiveness all of these things are key scripture says in 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 songs of song says the little foxes spoil the vine it's the little things that spoil the vine and many christians it's these little things we don't do that spoil our vineyard so when god told joshua in joshua chapter 1 verse 8 this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do all. He didn't say that you may observe to do just the things that talk about righteousness or maybe not committing fornication or adultery. He says to do all. So you need to be brushing up on divine health. You need to stay strapped in that area keep an aura of divine health going around you your mental health your finances your physical uh body your 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 soul your love walk everything for then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success so the key to our success in life or victory as christian believers depends on how many of god's instructions we meditate upon the more of his instructions you understand and put into action daily, the more success you are guaranteed. One of the things that I keep on, uh, sometimes I ask God and say, Lord, it looks like we have so many things to read about in this Bible. Woo. But you know, the Bible is just one book that he's given us. And the funny thing is that he always reminds us, says, how many books do you have to read for school? Take someone who's going through me medical school. How many books do they have to read? How many things do they have to commit to memory? Something happens to someone who's trying to be an engineer, doctor, lawyer, teacher. The, the whole point being, when it comes to otherworldly things, we will find time and we will make sure that we read as many books as we need to, as we can. We will make time for them. God gave us one book. One book. That's the only book you have to read from the day you were born to the day you die. God's curriculum never changes. So now I am starting to see why he says, you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. There is no way that you will not become familiar with the scriptures, all of them. Because you only have one book. And if you just read a little bit of it every day, in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, for the rest of, for as long as you live, if you're taught these things from the beginning, from when you're a little boy, a little girl, um, this book, it's possible for you to know the whole Bible. Now, you may not have revelation of everything that is written in the Bible, but you will be pretty familiar with the scriptures. They will become second nature. So, as I was saying, the key to our success and life 
of victory as Christian believers depends on how many of God's instructions we meditate, we meditate upon that we know and meditate upon and do. The more of his instructions you understand and put into action daily, the more success you are guaranteed. And that's why he says, you will then make your way prosperous and have good success. And this applies to every single area of your life. Every single area of your life. So, as another example, one of the things I must meditate upon or I have to calibrate my mind to is I have to plan out scenarios. If I know this is what I'm going to do during the day, I'm going to the office, the so-and-so, I've had kind of like a friction. I've had my previous interaction with them have been, you know, there's been a lot of friction with my boss or with so-and-so or you need to calibrate your mind beforehand to different scenarios and prepare how you're going to react. You need to calibrate your mind to a scenario or unfolding of events that you will perhaps run into either at work, school, home. You know, you, you if you're at work and you just got out of a relationship with someone who's at work, I mean, you either quit your job or if you're going to stay at that job, you need to think about how should I react? What kind of emotions should I let affect me when I see them at work? Or if I see them get into a relationship with someone else, if you were really good friends with someone and you share some social circles and then you two break up, but you kind of still maintain the same social circle because of you guys became friends with the same people. How are you going to react if you see them at an event? You need to meditate upon these things. You need to ask yourself beforehand, how will I react when that awkward interaction with so-and-so at work, at that party, at that event comes up? Will I lose my cool like I did last week? How will you react? How will I react at the Thanksgiving table when so-and-so shows up? So you must fix your heart. You must meditate on if this happens, this is how I will react. You must prepare beforehand to increase your chances of a desired outcome. This is what God was telling Joshua. Meditate on my precepts beforehand. And then you'll make your way prosperous and you will have good success in everything you do. Reacting in battle at the last moment is a sure way of defeat. I've, I used to really think that you can just pray away things at the last moment. And so many times I would fall, I would fall flat on my face. And I'll be so disappointed. And I'll be like, why didn't God come through? It's because I didn't prepare myself beforehand. The traps of sin that I would always fall into and I'll be so hard on myself and say, I shouldn't have done that again. And I did it again. Why? 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 And many a times... 
it was because before I got into that environment of pressure, I hadn't meditated on how I will react when the pressure shows up, when a trigger is activated, how will I react in the moment? I, I did not meditate upon these things. So I would keep on losing the same battle. And this happens to a lot of people. I was sharing with some brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, and I said, you know what I've realized? At least in my own walk, there is no new trick Satan can pull on me. In fact, sometimes I find that I'm so dumb. You know, you can actually start to live a life whereby you get to determine if and when you sin. Because there is no new trick that the devil is going to pull on me. There is no new trick under the sun that Satan can pull on me. In fact, sometimes, thank God for his mercy, because some things that you do in the flesh, you kind of enjoy them. So you knowingly break God's laws or you sin because you're like, oh, I think I'll get away with this one. But in my heart of hearts, if I do not want to sin, Satan can't make me. Because I know the pattern. Because he's made me do it so many times and I've fallen for it so many times that I literally know the pattern. Like if I'm going down a, ro a road of familiar sin, of doing something that I shouldn't be doing, I know how the, I know the steps. I'm like, okay, step one. Uh, it's normally because I'm tired. Step two, um, I do this. Step three, I do this. Step four, I do this. Step five, boom. It's seen everything. There's nothing that Satan, there's no new trick that Satan can pull up on me. It's not there. In the area of purity, um, there's no. Satan can't pull a new, a new trap on me. I know that, okay, if I don't want to have lustful thoughts, don't look thrice. <laughs> Fellas, this is rule of thumb. Uh, I always like to say, if you're walking forward, if you're walking one direction and she ends up walking towards you in the opposite direction, um, three counts. First count, you are guilty. I mean, you cannot help yourself if you're walking one when someone, um, you know, good looking, attractive, is walking the opposite direction. Your eyes will look at them and you'll be like, oh, that person looks good. Now, this is where we get in trouble. When you want to do the turn your head around to get more information. First time, you're not guilty. No, in fact, first time you are a victim of circumstance. You were just doing your own thing and boom, he or she just came out of, you know, she just came out around the corner. You're like, whoa. Um, like those ladies, uh, same thing could apply to you. Now, that's what I'm saying. First time you are a victim of circumstance. Now, if you turn around, sir, 
Mom, you are a suspect. You are looking for more information than you need. <laughs> if you turn around, if you turn your head around, mm-mm, fellas, because you got the front, now you want to see how the rest of the picture looks like at the back. Fellas, mm, 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 don't turn. And if you do the double take, three strikes, sir. Now, third time, if you turn around, second time, turn around, third time, you're now losing. You can't even see where you're going. Now you're guilty. You are guilty. So that's just a simple example. I know Satan can't pull a new one on me. I know. If I look at someone who's catches my attention, I know. Two texts, that's it. Because I know once I get beyond looking at them and trying to get more information about them and, and looking more at them and trying to figure out how every part of their body looks like, I know that I am in, I am just gonna go down a path of lustful thoughts and then it just blows up. Next thing I know, uh, lustful desires are coming in. Next thing you know, you're trying to see if you can get this person's number. So there's no new tricks. The same thing can apply to uh, depression, mental health. There's really, you know that if you spend one hour on Instagram that, I mean, if you get on Instagram that after 10 minutes, you start to feel this anxious feeling because you're seeing so many people's posts and profiles and, and they seem to be moving ahead versus where you currently are and, and this and that. Someone had a good day. Someone had a good meal. Someone did this and you didn't do that. And you start to, these feelings of, of strife, envy, uh, jealousy, they start to build up in you. And... Maybe the first five times you were naive and Satan got you with that and you became, uh, you didn't really, you you became envious of a person and you didn't enjoy your own life and you started looking at yourself as not being good enough and this and that. But if you fall for this trick a hundred times, honestly, it's the same trick Satan uses. So there is really no new trick that the devil can pull up, pull up on us. There is really no. I've just resolved in any area, finances, purity, self-control. I know, I know some of my friends. I know that it doesn't matter. There's some things we'll just never agree on. So in order to prevent an argument, I just know. I don't even bring up the topic or I've learned if the topic comes up, I know how I'm going to react. I'll just agree with him and keep it moving because there's no point in arguing about the same thing for the fifth or 10th time. And yet after all the nine previous times, we didn't come into an agreement about this issue. So again, there's nothing new that Satan can pull on you. There's no new tricks. The devil doesn't really have any new tricks. Let's just be honest. He doesn't. Satan doesn't have any new tricks. No, he doesn't. So how will I react to the Thanksgiving table when so-and-so shows up? You must fix your heart. You must meditate on if this happens, this is how I will react. You must prepare beforehand to increase your chances of a desired outcome. 
Reacting lost moment in the heat of the battle, in the heat of the moment, is where most Christians lose the battle. They think that in the heat of the battle, God's supernatural ability will always whisk them away from trouble. The law of a sudden, you are at her house at 10 p.m., at 11 p.m., and somehow God is going to shut down your desires for you to sleep with her. No, you can't pray that away. You passed a point of return. You know, like you are already in the danger zone, brother. You are. We're all familiar with this. You know, you have to meditate. What will happen if you two text? You know that if I message something along these lines, it will lead to flirtatious texts coming back. Next thing you know, it just spirals out of control. There is no new trick the devil can pull on you. So when the scripture says, walk after the spirit and you will not satisfy the flesh, it's not something that springs up in the heat of the moment. No, walking after the spirit means letting the spirit man guide you. Walking after the spirit is saying, I'm going into work and I'm going to put self-control in front of me. I'm going to put faithfulness in front of me. I'm going to put patience. I'm going to put goodness, meekness, love, joy, peace, all of this. Or I'm going to meet my ex because I'm going to birthday party that she's been invited to. And it's for some reason, I can't get out of it. So you put the spirit man, you put the fruit of the spirit in front of you. You meditate and say, if she says this, I, ha I will say this. If she starts up an argument again, I will not engage. Or if I'm walking out of a relationship or doing something that I know I shouldn't be doing. If she says, do you want to hang out after? Do you want to go somewhere? To go? No, no, no. You have to meditate on these things. This is how you put the spirit in front of you. This is how, it's, that's why it says, walk after the spirit. Walk after the spirit, not walk before the spirit. Meaning let the spirit, let the fruits of the spirit be in front of you and follow them. You see an opportunity to hate? No, 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 no. Walk through, let love, walk after love. Someone cursing you out. Someone just being nasty towards you. No, 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 no. Walk after the spirit. Follow love. Follow love. Follow love. What does love say? We shall look at the love checklist. So you have to beforehand talk to yourself and tell yourself that, hey, if my boss reacts aggressively towards me again, or if my boss critiques my work unfairly or even fairly tomorrow, Based on how you think, this is how I will react. I will activate the fruit of self-control and not react to my colleague or my boss in a manner of rage or anger or strife. Because you see, you, you see this with certain professions. Like pilots, astronauts, people who work in high-risk environments. They have been trained on how 
the being trained on on two two on two things. They've been trained on how to be. They have been trained on how to be reactive and proactive. They've been trained on on both things. These measures that they're training them. Okay, stay productive, proactive by doing this, and in case things get out of hand, this is how you should react. So they practice or they go through some emergency scenarios and how to react to them when and if that situation should arise. They know beforehand that if this noise comes up, look at this. If that light comes on, check this or check for that. And we are familiar with those dashboard lights that come on. Let's say if you if you own a car or if you've been inside a car, I'm sure you've seen this. You know that if, if one of those lights comes on sometimes it's a false alert but many a times if a light on your dashboard comes on you know it signals that something could be wrong with your car and we know that there the different kinds of lights on your dashboard and and they all mean they they all signal different things you know you you've got the check engine light you've got low fuel you've got coolant you've got tire pressure you've got oil and so forth so Likewise, as a believer, you need to know what are some of your own, um, I call them, check spirit lights. What are your check spirit lights? These are signals that you need to check your spirit. So when any of these lights come on, you need to go through a checklist, the checklist, and apply what it says. A lot of Christians, if not most of most Christians, they find it very difficult to discern how to read their spirit temperature. As human beings, many times we get caught up in following after our flesh. We follow after how we feel, either in the moment or before the moment, about something, someone, we always let our feelings almost put us on a leash. So we somehow we fall into this trap many, many times of following after how we feel. You ask someone, oh, uh, people don't end up going to the gym as many times as they would like to. Well, I'm feeling tired. I'm feeling out of it. Or invite someone to a good hike on a nice Saturday evening, Saturday morning, and say, Yeah, I don't really feel like it. I feel this. We lead every action we take is based on I feel like this or I don't feel like this. The word feel, 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 feel. We are always trying to feel. There's a new statement I've picked up. You need to stop feeling your way into acting you need to start acting your way into feeling i don't fall for the feeling trap anymore in fact day there's more days i feel like not doing something than i ever feel like doing something and i've just gotten used to it i've just gotten used to if i wake up and i feel good praise the lord 
I'll take that. But if I wake up the next day and I don't feel good, that doesn't mean that I'm going to have a bad day. Most times Christians are walking by how they feel. They wake up, they don't feel good, and they just start imagining all the worst case scenarios. I could be sick. I could have this. I'm going to get fired. I'm going to break up. This business opportunity is not going to work out. Because you woke up and you didn't feel good. You let your feeling temperature dictate the kind of day that you're going to have. You put off things that you could have done. You put off people that you could have met with. You put off all the actions that you could have ended up doing because of how you feel. Stop feeling your way into acting. Stop letting your feelings dictate if you should act on something, if you should do something or not. Rather, act your way into feeling. But most Christians get a feeling and they stop there. They stop at how they feel instead of realizing that, okay, if I'm feeling like this, I must have a leakage somewhere. Let me look around and see which spiritual or mental doors I left open or closed. And it's amazing that there is, personally, I'm growing in this, but it's amazing that there is no time I have ever looked around within me and the moment I closed a door, so to say, that wasn't supposed to be open either in my mind, my spirit, that my feelings didn't change within a very short period of time. Now, unfortunately, sometimes I leave certain doors open for a very long time. And I know that I will, I will pay for this. Like, personally, I know if I spend more than 10 minutes on social media, I know I'm going to pay heavily for it. 10 minutes for me is like eternity right now. I know that the moment I consume content more than 10 minutes, I know that I'm going to have to pay heavily for it. I start to feel sick. My brain starts to just feel pressure. I start to feel anxiety. I start, I just can't do it. Be it Twitter, Instagram, you name it. If I'm on there for more than 10 minutes, and 10 minutes is an eternity for me. Three minutes, I'm out. Boom, that's it. I can't do it. 10 minutes? I know. So I know if I go onto social media and I leave the door open and I'm on there for longer than 10 minutes, I know I'm going to need easily an hour or sometimes two hours to wash away all the filth that I'll have let into my spirit. I have to deal with the contaminants that have that have come up inside me, and and sometimes it takes a couple of hours. Or, oh, thank God, not half half a day. There's times it needs to be half a day, but some people I know have to deal with, you know, kind of detoxing for a whole day or half a day, and with the side effects of of leaving certain doors open in your life. So, because I have this awareness, this is a checklist that I have in my mind. Okay, I'm going on social media. Maybe I just want to see what's happening out there in the world. And I know not more than 10 minutes. Get out, get out, get out, get out. Sometimes I set a timer. 10 minutes, your time's up, Calvin. No, 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 no. Whatever you haven't seen, you'll see maybe two days from now, three days from now. You got to go, you got to go. My check spirit light comes on, starts, starts making a noise. It says, ping, 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 ping. 
So if I know beforehand that opening such and such a door results into this very bad feeling or could trigger some unwanted actions for as long as I leave that door closed, I am fine. If, if I know, if I have the check, checklist in me, if I do this, this will happen. If I don't do this, this won't happen. Then I am fine. So in the next episode, we are going to keep continue talking about we as human beings. We're going to first look at the kinds of feelings we generally have. And then we are going to start diving into uh, different kinds of checklists and how we should routinely tune up, go to these specific sections in the Bible. And these will kind of give us a fine tune up. They will retune us on, on how we should walk in that area of our lives. Thank you for tuning in and see you on the next episode. This was episode two of the Christian Checklist series. In the next episode, we'll continue building the Christian Checklist. What key areas should we as Christian believers routinely tune up in our believers' walk of faith? Your host for today was Calvin Cabanda. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode. This morning